Welcome to the MF Gamers Podcast. This is a special for the Souls games, Souls Born. I'm Hendo, and I'm joined by Rich, also known as Free4. Hey, hey, hey! Because Dark Souls 1 is getting remastered, we thought we'd give a, a rundown of the series, because even though some of them aren't really in the same universe, I still regard them all as the same. Yeah. We're going to start off with Demon Souls. So this was released in Japan in February 2009 and over here June 2010. This was on the PS3 and it was released for free April 2013. That is the way I played it and I only played about an hour or two I think of it. And this was after Dark Souls I, I played it so it was weird going backwards. I don't know what uh, your history is. I played it when it came out. I remember when it was released. I don't think many copies were released. I don't know if it's one of those that was, wasn't expected to sell very well. Yeah. You know, not many places stocked it. But I remember it, it sounded right up my me and my brother's street. It was like, oh, yeah, it sounds really good. Like, it's difficult. It was proclaiming to be, like, really hard. Like, some of the traits of the older games that like a lot of us might remember, like Ghosts and Goblins and things like yeah. that, Mega Man. Where they were hard. Um, it was like a trial and error aspect you had to get through the stage and if you died it's like oh back to the beginning fella there's no these checkpoints and things the setting it, like from what we saw in magazines and like that medieval fantasy style uh, mm. it, was, it was something that really appealed to us for, oh we'll get a try and my brother found a copy it was like this was when games were coming out about £32 this was £45 and he bought it and then we went to a Doncaster car boot and there was a guy there with a market stall and he was selling it and I got it for about 30 quid <laughs> bargain oh, get in <laughs> but um, we give it a try initial thoughts were, were, were a bit disappointed we were coming for something that we wanted to do co-op hmm. and demons I think as they've progressively gone along they've gotten better at the co-op aspect but when they first started out it was a bit of a ball ache if you think it's a ball ache trying to do co-op in something like Monster Hunter then you know, this was another level. It was like you'd be lucky if you, you put your thing down yeah. if you would get, get even in the same like server to get with your friend without having a co-op friend with you and then going through a game that's very hostile. Yeah, it is very hostile. Very unforgiving. Uh, like if you make a mistake, you get punished. This is like qualities that I love about these series, but didn't really explain it that there was a world tendency. Yeah, so I've got some information to hand. I, this bit of the game I didn't experience, so I can only go from this. So, the tendency depends on the actions of the player, such as helping or killing NPCs. When the tendency is white, enemies are easier, but you get less rewards. And when the tendency is black, the enemies are stronger and give greater rewards. And you can manipulate that by the actions, I guess, by killing NPCs and stuff. I didn't experience any of that, so that's a bit of a mystery to me yeah it's like you said really when imagine the castle in Mario 64 right to go to a world you jump through the painting to go like to go to a world on this you go to a headstone and select it and you go to that world it's completely separate from your hub world and they're not interconnected areas at all right so you go to that world if you die in that world it changes the tendency to dark like progressively darker and the darker it gets the harder the enemies are obviously you get better items uh, more rarer drops but if you can imagine if you think Dark Souls is hard it gets even more punishing the more you die that's like um, a big turn off <laughs> like, yeah screw this I'm not carrying on with this it's just going to get harder <laughs> 
does that work for everyone? Is everyone sharing the same tendency? Because I, I seem to remember when they turned the servers off, people were saying that means the world tendency is uh, now over. Or is that just for a single player? There was another element to it, I must admit. Trying to think back, an overall world tendency that helped shift things. But for me, I remember dying a lot because I was struggling. Didn't quite get the game. My brother... <laughs> To co-op, one of you had to be in a soul form, and one of you had to be in a human form. Yeah. Now, to get to soul form, you had to die. Can you imagine when you die, you change your will tendency? My brother kept dying to help me, because he was a bit further ahead than me. And it was just turning his world to darker, and it was like, this is all right, punishing for me, it's getting, you're making my world darker. There's a little trick to it, you go back to the hub world. Right. Climb to the top, you can chuck yourself off the top and die. You just find loads of like blood splatters when you go back to the world where everybody's just chucking themselves off to die so they can co-op. Jeez. Quite amusing. So then you can go to that world and help them. I can understand why they got rid of that then. Yeah, it was... So for the later games, they've changed and, yeah, they made better alterations for, towards co-op anyway. One of the other things that, that was... It happened on a regular basis, which you got invaded a lot. Hmm. I remember one particular area I could not get through it, but about the same point I'd get to, and I just got invaded. And you get invaded by people who are just ready for it, who were giving up for PvP. Like, what were like early forms of PvP in this game, in this series? And they're just slaughter That just added an extra element of frustration. It's like, the world's getting dark, I'm getting invaded all the time, as well as like dying to the old other enemies. There's a lot of like things to put in your path just to make you think, oh, I just don't want to play this anymore. Yeah, it was a really good game, but yeah, there was just that. I think Dark Souls was like the the start of something better. This was directed by Miyazaki, who is now the CEO of From, I think, and he started out as a programmer. He did the Armored Core games, and this is meant to be like a spiritual successor to Kingsfield. I don't know if you've played any of those games. I have no experience whatsoever. No, none. I keep wanting to sort of investigate them, but I think they were PS1 or PS2, and they probably play... Like, if Demon's Souls now looks rough and plays rough compared to the other ones, I can't imagine what those ones are like. We move on to Dark Souls. Dark Souls was released for the PS3, the 360 and the PC in Japan in September 2011 and worldwide by Namco Bandai the following month. This is where I think Japan started going, oh okay, maybe in the West they're ready for stuff like this. I remember this being a big deal, bigger than I was expecting because I went looking for it because I didn't play Demon Souls as I said. But I heard so much about Dark Souls, so I'm going to go and get this. And I went to game, and I walked in and went, have you got Dark Souls? And they went, oh, it's not out yet. (laughs) And bearing in mind the person you're talking to who is hosting a a video game podcast, I know damn well when games are coming out. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay, fair enough. So I went out, and I walked to Tesco. And I walked in, and Tesco had it. And I thought, if Tesco have it, and game don't, this game is going to be a lot bigger than people expect. (laughs) That's the market. My initial thoughts were, holy fuck, this is hard. Yeah. And then, I don't know, somewhere along the line it clicked. And I fell in love with the level design. That's probably the best thing about those games is going, making your way through and you go like, okay, yeah, I can see the road ahead of me. And then at some point you sort of kick down a ladder and you go down a ladder and you go, oh shit, I've just unlocked an amazing shortcut. Yeah. This is a... A genius. The level design is it's just genius. I can't find any other way to describe it. It's its amazing. For me, it's the shining 
example throughout the whole series is uh, the level design like I've got mm. I've got my criticisms of Dark Souls and I think I underappreciate it one of my friends absolutely loves it it needs to me to go back to it and appreciate that's why it's remaster I do intend to go to it not, probably not straight away but to try and find some like appreciation for it but the level design is just yeah like I said it's cracking it's absolutely hmm. imagine playing like the old Zeldas where it was kind of linear not like, not like recent one that's open world but you'd go to Death Mountain you'd fight the boss and then you'd go down this corridor and kick these ladders and crawl down and you end up at Zora's Domain <laughs> you know yeah. it's like everything's interconnected you're working your way along like you could see that thing in the distance but you've gone a different direction then you pop out there and then you see where you've come and you're like oh wow and then you go down into some caverns go somewhere else and yeah, and it's all connected you don't need bonfires or things that you ha- other games have because you could just go right I'll, I'll come to this area go up this elevator run here down these stairs down these ladders cross this bridge and then I'll be in that area that I need to be in like five minutes the whole series is just it's built around shortcuts yeah I remember Sly was complaining I think about Dark Souls 1 about getting to a boss and you, it take you ages to get back to the boss it's like there's always going to be a shortcut yeah. you just need to know where it is sometimes it's obvious sometimes it's not which is the other thing as well as that playing it and having no idea where you're meant to go if you remember at the beginning there's about two or three options of where to go and one is a skeleton graveyard and one is not and if you go to the skeleton graveyard that's the wrong way and the game does not tell you that <laughs> no, no. but you have to figure that out by dying a lot playing RPGs especially like the, the Elder Scrolls or stuff that if you're going somewhere and you're getting your ass pounded, then you're not supposed to be going that way. Hmm. But sometimes, because it's dark souls, you feel like, is this normal? Am I supposed to be getting <laughs> my ass pounded? I don't know. Yeah. You'll see a little creature and you're like, oh, I'll kick his ass. And then it petrifies you and just nails you in one. And you're like, what just happened? And then you go to another area, there's this big towering like knight with your shield and a big F-off sword. And you're like, ooh, he looks intimidating. But they're slow and dumb as old and you just stab him back and finish him off it's weird it just it surprises you at every turn don't take anything for granted when you're playing these games yeah that was the other thing that first of all the level design sort of blew me away and then I'd noticed that over time the games I've been playing I basically the best example I can give is Call of Duty the Call of Duty campaign is exactly where my head was for single player games it's tell me where to go tell me how to do it I want to see all this game has to offer. You're going to help me, basically. Mm. You're going to stick me in a wheelchair and wheel me through. And then this was the first game I'd played since I was a kid, because like you said, Ghouls and Ghosts and and all those games that were rock solid. We hadn't seen anything like that since. And then this was like, no, I'm not going to help you. This item description is very vague. Figure it out. Use it or don't use it. See what happens. And... The game does not want to help you out. The game does not... Well, the game is not going to help you to see all of the levels. Yeah. It's down to you to figure it out, and it's down to you to... And, like, the community was built around figuring all this stuff out. The community helped new players by going, right, that skeleton graveyard, ignore that. You need to know, don't go there. And I wasn't part of that, so when I got the game, I think a little bit after maybe a week or two after it came out, which is also surprising why the guy in game went, oh, it's not out yet. Fucking is. <laughs> I felt like I was late to that community, but I I got the benefits of everyone else figuring out. These are the items you need to use. These are the stats you need to worry about. If you care about magic, use this, that. Because everything in it is very vague. Like, even the stats, uh, I don't really know what that does, and yeah. people have to figure yeah. them out. That's one of my bugbears I had with it. With the first one, which didn't help me appreciate it, was like the stats. Where where should I be putting my points? I want to play like this, but how? Where do I put my points to play like this? Yeah, it wasn't until Dark Souls Two where I truly appreciated and figured it out. But that's because don't like hate me for it. But I bought a guide for Dark Souls Two, not to follow it word for word, but for like the, the beginning introduction bit where it explains the stats and the systems. It's so much more better when you understand where where you're supposed to be putting things because it's a game. It's not something where you just go, oh, I'll just go to the start menu and just re- redistribute them. It's like, use rare items you have to find in order to distribute your points. So yeah. it's extra punishing if you don't know where you're putting them, you make a mistake. Oh, well, I'm stuck with this now. <laughs> yeah. One of the things I like that they introduced, that I forgot to mention in Demon's Souls, replenishing your health, you have to buy items. 
mm. demons. When you used them up and you died, you had to buy some more. They weren't replenished. The thing I liked about Dark Souls is the Estus Flask. A little less punishing, you know, a little bit more forgiving than when you die, you just, you're just back at your bonfire, you get your Estus Flask filled. So you've got a bit of health just to help progress and do better than you did before. We're not being frustrated spending your, your currency, which is... In this game, you use it for a lot of things, your souls. So yeah. it's having to waste it all on buying items... Again, I'm glad that was a change they made. The co-op system further improved again. Where you got covenants you can join. Was it a Praise the Sun? One of the like the Sunshine Covenant. Yeah. It helps for co-op. In joining that, it enables you to like join up other people, but you're not invaded as much. You're not putting that kind of server where you're getting invaded, so people like to invade and combat each other. You don't feel as overburdened with that. It's starting to get better and more into something I liked. But I don't think it helps. It was released towards the end of like, near the last quarter, wasn't it, in Dark Souls? And mm. this is around the time you've got stuff like uh, Arkham City and Skyrim and other big budget games coming out. So I remember playing this, but I was like, didn't quite understand it, and these games are coming out. So I'm like, right, well, I'm going to put this on the shelf and I'm going to go and play these other things that I really know I'm going to enjoy. Which, the later ones, I think you'll notice they come out like earlier in the year. Yeah which I think was a help to them and, and definitely a bonus for me. Again, I haven't finished Dark Souls and I'm really looking forward to getting stuck into the, the remaster. What I did was I've never seen Blight Town. That's one of the infamous mm, yeah. places that is apparently fixed in the remaster because the infamous thing is the frame rate is horrific yeah, it was. in Blight Town. I never saw that because I got so in love with the, uh, the level design. I went round on Deadburg about a thousand times probably <laughs> I just circled round it and grinded and grinded and grinded right. and got so in love with that level design I just wanted to see it over and over again I can't remember how far I got through I did kill a few bosses but I just didn't really progress because I was just going round in circles intentionally going round in circles and loving it by the time I fancied moving on the, the next game came out yeah I think that's probably what happened with a lot of people it's like everything together you're struggling through it you don't quite understand it and it's out at a time when there's other things out because I didn't finish either I can't remember where I got to but I remember again quite far but doing trying to do a bit of quick research for this I remember I must have got further than I thought because it was triggering memories I thought I got up to like this like spider lava boss which is about halfway through I think but then I've seen things that are further on like Arnold Londo is like infamous for being like cheap archers like picking you off yeah. in distance kind of thing I remember that I remember how beautiful it was. That's one of my favourite areas. Juxtaposition to the annoying arches, finally, but in terms of like the scenery, like a fantastic view when you first arrived there. These things I remember, so I can't fully remember how far I got through it. But I suppose when I do go through it again, that I'll get to see it all, hopefully. Okay, we're going to move on now. This is Dark Souls Two. This was released for the PC, PS3 and 360 in March 2014. As you said before, they got wise and released them a bit earlier. And the updated version with all the DLC was called Scholar of the First Sin. That was on the newer consoles 
in April 2015, which is also around the time the Bloodborne came out, but we'll get back to that later. <laughs> this was not directed by Miyazaki, but he's credited as being a supervisor, which probably means nothing really. This very much feels like it's not directed by Miyazaki. I don't know where your opinions on this, but I think this is the weakest of them, and it feels like the unwanted stepchild of the uh, of the series. Oh, it's not a terrible game, but it's it's not a bad game, but it's a not a great Dark Souls game. Isn't it the highest rated of all of them on Metacritic? Really? I think so. Yeah. Oh, I'd have to check on that. Jesus, <laughs> I think it's one of my favourites. Just because I think there's a big point because it clicked for me. The click. It clicked for me then at this, <laughs> at this point. But sorry, go on. No, I like it. It does some weird things that they haven't done since. And maybe someone in there slapped them. <laughs> like Miyazaki went around slapping the people who designed <laughs> it. Because um, all of the games, you have bonfires. Or in Bloodborne, they're called something else. But they're essentially bonfires. And if you go to a bonfire and you rest, then the enemies respawn. Hmm. Which is a bit annoying if you've cleared an area out and then you sit down at a bonfire and then they all come back. But that's how the game works. And on this, the one thing they changed, or one of the things they changed is after a certain point, after a <laughs> certain amount of times you've killed them, they don't come back. Which is good and bad because you could go like, all right, so eventually I'll clear them all out, but then I'll also stop my way of grinding levels. I was say, is this so you can't do the Undead Berg version too? <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I like it and I've played it twice through I finished it on the 360 and then I got the PS4 updated version when it was cheap on a sale for like 10 quid or something and I've got most of the way through that and I do like it but it's I don't think it's as good as as the others maybe with Dark Souls 1 remaster I'll go oh hang on this isn't as good as I remember but I don't know it was just I think the level design wasn't as clever that as well yeah it changed it was more of a hub area that spidered out like once you got to the end of a leg you travelled back to the Firelink Shrine the central area didn't you and then you'd go a different mm. direction so the level design is definitely not as good as Dark Souls I prefer it to Demons but it's not as good as, as Dark Souls now apparently parrying has been made more difficult like as the things have gone on apparently it was really easy to parry and backstab in the previous two games which right. on a game like this parrying no chance no thanks <laughs> You, no. you mistimed that parry, you're gonna. So, yeah, it's not something I really practised. But, yeah, probably that's so. I changed that, I can't remember, but apparently on the previous games, when you were hollow, when you were you're dead, like in soul form, you lost health. You could get something to help with that. But also, you couldn't get invaded, so a lot of people stayed in that form, just so they weren't bothered. But apparently this one, I don't really remember it much, it can't happen that often, uh, but you could get invaded whilst being hollow. So it wasn't like a tactic you could use anymore to stay out of being invaded. I don't remember that at all, no. Which is interesting. Because I remember, I think they started introducing extra covenants and more PvP-focused ones, where there's certain areas, I think one was like in a sewer area with rats, where it's a, a PvP area, a domain. If you While you're in that, you'll get invaded. You could join a covenant that, when you're invaded, it automatically pulls in somebody to come and help with you to get through it. Yeah. So it's like a little trick. I never saw much of that, but I, I do remember it. <laughs> it was like a Benny Hill moment where I'm running away from enemies and he's chasing around like behind the enemies chasing me <laughs> just running around in a circle I think the reason Dark Souls 2 is quite revered as well is there's a, a PvP not a lot of people know there's a PvP like scene within these games and it, Dark Souls 2 was like the better one mm. just the meta in it and everything else that it, I never thought of, but yeah, that's just something I come across that when people are talking about the PvP and they're like arguing, but oh yeah, Dark Souls 2 was like the pinnacle. It's something that annoys a lot of people. Like, I've, I've tried persuading Simon to get into them, and the one thing that really annoys him is the idea that he could get invaded. And it's like, okay, then you can make sure that you don't go online or you're always hollow or unhollow. I can't remember which way around it is. Yeah. So you don't get invaded. Well, that also means then that you can't get co-op. So it's a risk-reward thing. I share his concern. Obviously, like I said earlier, when I played Dark Souls, that was a problem for me. Whether they've altered that and changed that for the remaster, I don't know. Definitely two onwards, it was less of a problem. I don't think they've changed any real gameplay things in the remaster, but I could be wrong. I, we'll soon find out, I guess. 
the online aspect I think was better. I think this is where it started to do co-op was getting like it was a lot easier to co-op with with people that I wanted to co-op with. And I finally, probably due to be buying the guide, understood the stat system. Yeah. And I learned that because in previous games I was like tanky man, put all armor on that I could, big shield, big sword or spear. I'm, like, I'm not going to move. I'm just going to try and stab you and, and stuff. And that's not really the way to play it. You can play it like that. I think if you understand it, but I think you get better benefit from being nimble. And in this game, there's a hidden stat. Yeah, I think if you put it in an adaptability, it increases your invincibility frames when you roll. Right. Okay. Now I also stopped putting into that because I want to. I didn't want to do parrying and blocking, but I want to roll attacks, roll out of the way. So I was doing that a lot as well as like giving me better timing I feel like in games now my reactions to rolling out of other games like playing Monster Hunter or God of War or whatever when I see enemies coming to hit I'm like it's like slow motion for me I'm like dodge so it's like training me really well but in that game those slight invincibility frames increase my enjoyment a whole lot like when enemies were going to hit me I could just roll them roll out of the way and get my attacks in it was a lot more enjoyable that was uh, my technique for all of them pretty much is Make me as strong as possible, give me as much health as possible, make my attacks hit as much as possible, wear the best armor that I can, but also try and get that roll as quick as humanly possible. Yeah. Because fat rolling is terrible. <laughs> fat rolling, that's it, yeah. Fat rolling. See, I was doing a lot of fat rolling in the previous two games, because I didn't understand it. And then this one, coincidentally enough, it changed your equipment load to a percentage, and it changed, I think it changed color, or that might have been introduced a bit later, but... So it was kind of hinted to you, look, you're fat rolling because you're overburdened. Drop yeah. some of your crap and you'll roll a bit quicker and you'll get out of the way of these attacks quicker. Yeah, I remember Simon was watching me. I think I was streaming Bloodborne or something. And he regarded my whole approach to combat as being really cheap because I was rolling out of the way, hitting people, dodging back, hitting people, dodging back. It's like, that's a valid technique. The game is cheap, so I'm going to be cheap back at it. That's what you're going to do in the previous game. I mean... We'll get onto Bloodborne later, but its combat changes a bit. Hmm. You're not going to stand there and tank. Unless you want to be a tank, you could spec into that. But otherwise, you're either going to be really dexterous and, and parry them, or you're just going to like be nimble and get out of the way. The only other thing I've got for Dark Souls 2 is about the re-release on the PS4 and the Xbox One. They upped the frame rate and the resolution, but in upping the frame rate, they also upped the weapon degradation which was not so annoying when it first came out, but because it's been doubled in that release, it's um, bloody quick. You run out of weapons ridiculously quickly. Mm. Yeah, that's annoying, and they still haven't fixed it. They probably never will. We move on now to Dark Souls 3. This was released in Japan March 2016 and the rest of the world in April 2016 and this was on the new big boy consoles and the PC. Only a month difference between Japan and the rest of the world so at this point I think it's fair to say Dark Souls 3 was a big hyped release. This is like a triple A moment I suppose now. Yeah it's established itself now, people know what it is and it's it's in a time of year where it's not combating with the big triple A's coming out at the end of the year so people are like oh yes it's something I want to play. And allegedly the last Dark Souls game. Allegedly, yeah. Yeah. I still can't see that. I can't see them killing the Golden Goose, but 
We shall see. Is it only Miyazaki that said it could be his last? I don't know. There's rumours that Bloodborne 2 is on the way. There's also rumours that Bluepoint Games, who remade Shadow of the Colossus, are remaking Demon Souls. So there's going to be another one of these games at some point. I think we can say that. I mean, it's kickstarted something. There's other game. I forgot which. Like, like there was a mechanite like robots type version out last year. Neo came out. Neo was like another one inspired. So there's, yeah. there's an appetite for it. People want to play them. So I can't see it being the last. No, this one had some DLC. Like the all all the others had DLC as well. This one had two packs, and by the time that it came to the second pack, which was the Ring City, that was when they said this is the last piece of Dark Souls content and I bought the game on disc when it came out I bought the season pass and the first DLC came out and I was very disappointed with it I don't know why it just it didn't feel like a good piece of content and then the, the second DLC came out I probably played through all those areas about 10 times I loved it it's a toss-up between this and Bloodborne for me I think we've we've talked about this on the forum before that this is my favourite of the series, and you were a bit surprised by that. Surprised? Uh, only because like, the, I've not talked to loads of people about it. I've only got one friend who's played Oh, no, my brother's played it, but none of them. i never heard it mentioned, really, that three... Like, there was the argue between two and Dark Souls, just because, like, two, I think, is the final one which clicked for a lot of people, and it was a lot more accessible. Hmm. And Dark Souls being the one that's arguably got the better systems and, and level design and things, and bosses, fights, and stuff. Uh, it's one of the early ones. But yeah, Dark Souls 3, I've never heard. But not to say you're wrong. <laughs> I think all of these games are cracking. It's funny enough being like the latest one in the Souls games. I can't remember that much about it. It must have been like <laughs> something that just didn't... I remember enjoying it. And I remember being... I think it was 3 where there were some silly bosses. Pretty much all of them are silly <laughs> bosses. <laughs> that I can remember. I remember it was like... Was it like a hub world thing again? Yes. Like a central area that wasn't connected. It's another thing called the Firelink Shrine, but I think it's not necessarily the same one. This is where we get a bit confused with lore and story, because we're not going to really delve into all the bits of lore. A, because it would take too long. B, because we don't fully understand it ourselves. Yeah. But if anyone is interested, search on YouTube for Dark Souls story or lore. And you'll find hours of hours of people trying to explain the story that you can only get from item descriptions and stuff like that. It's one of the weirdest ways of telling a story, I think. I'd argue a lot with the story. It's very bit part and it requires a bit of investigation in the game world, but also outside of the game world and wikis and things. And it's not something easy to follow and flow. Not like something like more recent God of War, which is pretty easy to follow. And it's yeah. pretty much feeding you as you're going along. This is requires a bit more effort and it's a bit ambiguous. It's like, uh, it's like I can't really tell you anything about it because it wasn't really told to me. Yeah, like you mentioned um, Neo before and I played Neo last year or the year before. And that was a Souls kind of game, but with a very obvious story. Yeah. Like you knew what was going on. Lots of cutscenes and, and, and dialogue. Yeah, I've absolutely adored this from beginning to end. I played it through... I'll have to go and check, but I got to about level 200. Oh. My character is over level 200. There was like a brief moment where on another forum on Rollmuck, we, um, there's people going, oh, we should do um, like PvP, do a little tournament of set games up against each other and, you know, see who's the best. And when I mentioned what my character level was, they were all sort of shocked. <laughs> People like, and these are hardcore Dark Souls players, and they're like, "No, you don't go above like level seventy or something. It's a waste of time." Or, yeah, I think the gains on the levels aren't just that worth it or something. I just wanted to get stronger. Yeah, yeah. So I just kept going. Dark Souls Three. I do remember the weapons, the combat system. Didn't it add a, a charge attack because wasn't there a flash to refill like a magic bar? I remember using up some sort of magic to do a heavier like charged up attack with my weapons. Yeah, there's an Estus flask for health and there's another flask, basically like a mana, right, I suppose. Yeah. And yeah, so certain attacks will use this other bar. I didn't really go into that too much. But that's the other thing, is that you can upgrade your flasks, but you can weigh them. So say you've got 10 flasks, you can go, well, all I want is 10 health flasks, which is what I did. 
or if you favor magic or these magic attacks you can go well i'm gonna have one health flask and nine magic flasks yeah, yeah. or balance them out five of one five of the other that was really cool i thought also like the fact that it looks better than the others and it runs better because the others had frame rate problems mm. this didn't really from my memory no it was a fairly smooth experience yeah for some reason it's my favorite it's got one of my favorite bosses the dancer of the boreal valley oh god yeah that's that's a fight and a half yeah. <laughs> and it's such a beautiful fight as well like ithril the the valley that you go into is like a dreamlike state and got like wispy enemy ghost like enemies that you fight it's really yeah i did like that area yeah like the early parts of dark souls one i can picture i if if you gave me a piece of paper and a pen i could probably map out so much of the beginning of dark souls one <laughs> and almost all of dark souls 3 because i played it that much that's the thing i can't praise enough is the level design in those games is just amazing mm. and can be annoying but mostly amazing <laughs> i'm gonna move on now to bloodborne Now, Bloodborne is not part of the Souls universe, as far as we know, and this came out in March 2015, and this is a PS4 exclusive. To this day, has only come out PS4. PC owners are constantly campaigning for a PC version, but so far has not appeared. Hmm. And this was directed by Miyazaki. This was the one that he was working on while another team was making Dark Souls 2. This is the same, but different I guess to Dark Souls, the combat's the same, the core combat's the same I should say. There is a particular moment early on where you pick up an item and it's a shield and you read <laughs> the description and it basically says don't be a pussy. <laughs> That's where it differs, like you don't have a shield, you can't hide behind, like my Dark Souls method is hide behind a big shield. Yeah. And this is like nope, you don't have a shield, at no point are you going to have a shield. Yes, you can roll out of the way and dodge, but on your left hand instead you have a gun or a shotgun, and that is used for parrying if you time it right. I am terrible at parrying, so I barely use the gun. Parrying in these kind of games is not something I... I did find it easier than the previous ones, and I did attempt it a few times with enemies, especially when I got their combat patterns down, which is a few that you do fight quite often. I think that's something that helped. That I remember there being less enemy variety or at least ones that I come across on a more regular basis so I was like more open to giving that parrying shot didn't use the shotgun too much I was more of a like I could roll them and invade out of the way the attacks and get my own in I did always used to like a weapon that kept a bit of distance that was also heavy I had a weapon that that was small and nimble that but sheaved into a bigger one that you could follow up like with bigger heavier attacks yeah. and I absolutely loved that weapon once I found it and started using it because I was just <laughs> You should just do a big heavy Bosch attack that just staggered them or just knocked them to the floor and then just follow up with some big sweeping attacks and just towers them. Yeah, I was a big fan of the... Uh, if you push forward and R2, you basically jump uh, towards an enemy and do a massive heavy attack and then do that back out of the way, do that back out of the way. <laughs> and that, that was the bit where Simon was watching me going, you're doing this really cheaply. He's like, it's a valid tactic. It works. <laughs> When you've got the um, the crows, well, like, they bark like dogs, but they're basically crows. When you've got them leaping at you, that's a really valid tactic to take them out. Yeah. 
you got to change it up depending on what enemy you're facing. Like, the combat was given more of a aggressive focus. You had to, rather than hiding behind a shield, if you got hit, you could claim some health back if you quickly attacked them back. Yeah. But sometimes you got to balance that up with, is it worth keeping myself open to attack someone who's probably not going to stagger and just follow through with an even heavier attack and finish me off? But sometimes evasion and topping up your health is, is better than just following up for that attack. We have to mention as well the art style because that's where it differs from Dark Souls. Like you mentioned about Demon Souls with the, the medieval sort of knights and shields and armour and stuff. And this is, well, at least at the beginning, it's very gothic Victorian werewolves and yeah. all sorts of like normal beasts and stuff. Horror. Yeah. And then at a certain point, it sort of changes and it goes more Lovecraft and just nightmarish stuff. Yeah. I love the art style in this. I the whole change of it from the medieval style, I thought was brilliant. I mean, it's definitely a, a different pace. I could see it as something that existed alongside Souls, not a replacement of, if you know what I mean. Just because it yeah. was, it was so different. Over the gothic horror theme, I prefer the, the high fantasy medieval sword and sorcery kind of thing. In this game as well, because of that change, there was less classes to choose from. Like you had weapons that go into different forms and there was kind of some like basic magic attacks but there wasn't that much of it. So it was something I thought, well this is a different kind of experience. I can see this existing alongside of them and they shouldn't have to be in replacement of, you know, either or. Which was, I thought they'd be doing but we were saying earlier it seems to be the souls might stop and the bloodborne might carry on. I don't mind too much because I really do enjoy bloodborne as well. I think it's a toss up between this and Dark Souls 3 of which is my favourite. I think although an outsider might look at them and go, well, it's the same thing. Like, the attacks are the same and it feels the same. But you know the differences if you play them a lot. Not just the art style, but one of the things, like, in Dark Souls, you could play it over and over and over again, making a completely wildly different character than you had before. Like, I barely touch magic. I could play it again and go, like, I'm going to go full-on magic user and build up my character this way. In Bloodborne... At least from the way I played it, and maybe I'm completely wrong, but your build doesn't really change for, like, everyone will basically be the same, and the only way of changing your build is the weapon you use. I think. I could be completely wrong about that. Yeah, I know what you mean. Everyone's basically, they've got a slight, well, depending on what weapon you've got, so if it's a heavier type weapon, you're going to be slower but hit hard and stagger enemies more, but you could go for a more nimble, the hunter, who's got a quicker firing, parrying shotgun, and a nimble, like, rapier-like sword just to whip him in with. But, um, yeah, there was variances there. The whole theme was based on a more aggressive combat. Yeah. I also love the uh, transforming of the weapons as well. Yeah, there were some little cool as fuck, weren't they? <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, I've got this tiny little sword. Oh, no, it's now a massive thing because I've just put this little sword into a massive sword. Yeah. I'm sure there was one that was like Ivy's sword from Soul Calibur. It was like a whip. Yeah. could extend and things, and one's like a big scythe. There's some cool variations. Yeah, there's like a fretted cane. <laughs> yeah, use that for a bit. <laughs> In its basic attack, it's like just a little cane that you sort of swap around, and then you sort of press a button, and it turns into a, a whip, and you can add electric attacks to that and really go to town on people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a phenomenal game. It's, it's one of my favourites. Uh, the DLC came out in November 2015, so this was nearly six months or so after the, the main game. And I almost hated it because it was so hard. If you found it fairly easy, we're going to give you a challenge. And I didn't find it fairly easy at all. My most hated enemies in it were the other hunters that you come across. There's an area early on where you find two of them. It's basically like a circle arena kind of area. I can't remember their names, but they also have guns. They can also stun you and dodge around, and they are really, really annoying to fight against. The Old Hunters DLC is basically more of that. Yeah, I remember that, like, there was at least two you fought in just the main game, and they were a pain in the backside. Yeah. So a whole DLC of them, well, nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Did you play the game with anyone? Because like, it was interesting what they did with the co-op system in that. Again, it was easy. You could put a password in. So when you rang a bell, because you ring a bell in this rather than putting your, your soul sign down. Yeah. And it, the game would match you up. Yeah, I played so much of it co-op. Yeah. I played our dearly departed member, Mark. 
I uh, played a little bit with him. I think I played a little bit with Ed and then a lot of random people. So I did use a little bit of the password system, but yeah, I thought it was great. It's just, you could be anywhere in the level and just ring the bell and at some point you'll get pulled into someone's game. Yeah. I've played more of, certainly Bloodborne, I think probably the rest of them as well. I've played more helping someone else out than going through it single player. Yeah, I did. Because uh, it's just a lot of fun. I think it's a valid way to play the game, but no qualms with anyone saying, you know, it's, it's better playing on your own, that soul experience. But yeah, I think playing it with, with other people, I think part of the game is designed around that. That's why there's so many systems in place for it. There was an interesting twist. Remember the bell ringer? Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I did it like a sense of urgency because when you rang your bell to summon your co-op partner in, it also placed a witch in the, the level ringing a bell that was going to be summoning in you know, an invader. You had to get to a quick killer before that happened. When I first experienced this, I thought, oh shit, is this going to be random every time? But they're always in the same place. If you're used to that level, you can just leg it to where it is. Or if you're really crafty, that is at the point where you just stand, <laughs> if you're trying to bring people in, stand exactly in that spot. And the shank And then bring people in. Yeah. Yeah. The boss fights in it are amazing to the carp. Some of them I couldn't do at all on my own, like the the big spider. Um, I can't remember what his name was. Vom? Vom, yeah. And that on my own is just impossible. I just could not do it. I admire anyone who plays through those games on their own. And people get really arrogant about it and say, no, that's the only way to do it is to to play it on your own. (laughs) There's no such people. (laughs) Well, I'm going to do it my way, so. Yeah, like I say, one of my friends, he plays from a lot on his own. And you know, I've got full respect for him for doing it, uh, but I just couldn't. I couldn't do it. I think I don't know. I think I could do it, but I just find more enjoyment in helping others. What I would say to Sly was, I think, tell him on the forum or anyone else who wants to try these games that if you find them a bit foreboding and, and a bit too difficult on your own, someone needs some help. Like I'd go through the level on my own, but once I got to a boss, like like you were saying, sometimes it's punishing and you have to like find your own way there. There is always, like you said, a shortcut. Or a bonfire, yeah. or a lantern if it's bloodborne nearby. Find those before you go, because like the bosses are fairly obvious. Usually a big fog gate or something, or you know, you play games, you know when a big enemy boss is coming up. Find that shortcut, and in the later games, you could just stick your your sign down, ring your bell for co-op. Like you don't have to be hollow. I don't think from Dark Souls two onwards, you could do it even in human form. So just stick it down, go into that realm, help them out. You're getting some extra pickups items and stuff from doing it and also you gain practice on the boss so when you could do it yourself you're not as in the dark and it's not like, as scary like, oh I'm dead I'm going to have to retrace my steps all over now yeah that's the, generally the way I did it it was um, clearing out the level working the way through and then bringing people in for the boss however some of my favourite co-op moments in any game have come from particularly Bloodborne also Dark Souls 3 I think is I'd start a level I'd get my ass handed to me and I, or I'd get lost and I wouldn't know which is the best way to go I brought this guy in and I think I must have made it fairly clear that I didn't know what I was doing because I was just following him and every time he would stop <laughs> I would stand behind him yeah. I don't know where I'm going and I think within about a minute they clicked and they were just pointing at things and running over to where items were going to be, even though they couldn't see the item in their version of the level. Yeah. They knew that they would be there for me. And, um, yeah, it was just things like that. It was fantastic. You'd also get people that are just, like, come into your world and then immediately run off a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were some plebs. But, yeah, that... Yeah. Because that, you're not talking to each other. The, the whole dynamic of the using the emotes and things to, to communicate, like, developing another language, it was really good for that. We haven't really mentioned the messaging system, like one of the big parts, <laughs> like oh, in God, all yeah. the games, like leaving little, little things down. Like I think even believe in some of the later ones, if somebody rated your message, you got some health. So it was like really useful in the middle of a fight. And you, all of a sudden, it's with push, you get a bit of health. Somebody rated your message. Oh, cheers! <laughs> yeah. You finish off this fight now. But it was really good to like, almost like um, a competition with anyone I was playing with. Like, oh, what's your highest rated message? Mine's like 150. <laughs> It's like putting a message down that's really witty or funny. One of my favourites, one of the highest rated ones were, I just put a message down in front of a door that just said, let me out of here. 
when you open the door, it's just like being collapsed, and whoever's in there is like just just a skeleton, like squashed up against the door. <laughs> uh, I know exactly where you mean for that. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you rate my message? <laughs> I don't understand how that works because. You see a fair few messages, but you don't see... There's no way that you see every message that someone's put, no. people have put down. So I don't know how that works. I don't know if it's region locked or... like Even if it was region locked, you couldn't possibly see every European message or every Japanese message. No, there'll only be so many players on a server at a time. Like when you're trying to do co-op, but later games where it made a system that would search for that particular person. Yeah, it'd be very rare you'd find your friends like say they have to be within that like same server online as you. So yeah, I think there'd already be so so many. Like you say, you can't have the millions that are playing in Europe. No. Oh, that was a thing in Bloodborne as well. That your souls got nicked. Like an enemy be walking around with them. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Just came to me then. That was a bit annoying to see these glowing eyes go. You cunt! You've got my souls. (laughs) Get back here. (laughs) Especially it was one of like the harder enemies. about the future? Where do you think it's going to go from here? Do you think we're going to see a Bloodborne 2 and any more Souls games? I think Bloodborne 2 is a cert. Yeah. I think that's pretty much already been called. More Dark Souls? Yeah, but I don't think Miyazaki will be directing them. I think it'll be somebody else. And Souls in general, the, the way it plays, I mean, it's influenced a few games you see it in playing games these days. It's, it's already influenced them. And I think we're going to get more, more Neos, more of the like. Yeah, you mentioned it before, but um, God of War takes some yep. definite strides from Dark Souls. Yeah, plays different, obviously, because it's a lot more forgiving. There's no sense of dread dying when you're just going to respawn two foot away with all your stuff you died with previous. There's no like, <laughs> you don't need to run back, get your souls. Yeah, all hours of progress. It's a rather unique way of doing it. Okay, well that's enough from us. So um, we're going to be playing Dark Souls Remaster. Yep. Cheers, Tap.